All right. Well, we're joined today by Lynn and Andrew Randazzo. Uh, Lynn and Andrew, thanks for joining us, guys. Thanks for having us. This is our um, COVID check-in round two. And guys, um, we are dropping these episodes every Wednesday for the next little bit while this COVID is uh, ransacking all of our lives. The goal of our episodes are really to do quick check-ins with folks around the country, around the world, um, and to see how COVID is uh, impacting them, uh, their families, their businesses. Um, We want to hear how everybody's uh, getting by to their day-to-day. And Lynn and Andrew are here to give us a story like uh, like many people, but a very unique space. Um, you guys have a unique family dynamic going on. And Andrew is a paramedic based, uh, a whole business that we'll get into. But uh, however, um, you are currently, um, your family's Knoxville-based and you are currently in New York doing paramedic work on the front lines. Yep. Um, one, thank you very much. Uh, you've been there for going on week two is that right uh yeah we're in middle of week two middle of week two and lynn is at home in knoxville with uh, three kids doing home life um is that right lynn do i get all that right that's right and more importantly was your birthday yesterday yes oh yes. happy birthday <laughs> of course of course well guys um again thank you very much for uh taking some time and uh sharing your story with us sure thing thanks for having us so um I guess to kind of get started, Andrew, what what got you up to New York? How did that kind of come about? Uh, so before New York, I was in San Diego um, on another deployment. And so uh, this was kind of the, the mission in San Diego ended. I got to come home for a few days um, with a different company now in New York. But, you know, it's a small world. There's only like a few major players during a crisis that'll get, you know, the big contracts. And so, um, you know, you know, everybody knows, like everybody moved from San Diego and then all came to New York. Um, so it was just a matter of waiting, you know, you put your name in the hat and waiting for them to tell you what day. So I knew it was coming, um, that call and, uh, and, and it did. And, and I packed my, I, I really, I already had my bags packed for the most part. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, and came up here. So, yeah. And what is it exactly you're doing up there? So I am on a clinical leadership team and I don't have any kind of patient contact on this particular deployment. So I'm stationed in a hotel. We have multiple hotels where we booked out the entire place. Um, about 3,500 nurses here. Um, so my particular role is operations and helping with operational efficiency and culture. Um, and so I work with all the hotels, all 3,500 nurses, and just making sure the things are running smoothly. So kind of supporting yeah. the support staff that's there to help the right, New yeah. York-based doctors yeah, and there's probably frontline 50, workers. Yeah, there's probably about 50, 60 support staff. And so I work with them and find out where the gaps in communication are or, you know, um, you, creating systems and making sure that um, things are standardized across the board. Yeah, it's amazing. I don't think people think about or understand the just the movement of logistics in times like this of just getting, it's not just getting people there, but you can get such a backlog if all of a sudden everybody shows up and nobody knows what to do. So getting, doing, doing what you're doing, getting people plugged into the right place and, and moving them. Um, but you're up there doing that. And I know Lynn, you're beyond just managing three kids at home. Uh, you're also running your guys, helping to run your guys business that you and Andrew have, correct? Yeah, that's right. So you're staying, <laughs> you're staying pretty busy as well here in Knoxville. 
so busy. Um, I was doing pretty good the first week and then Andrew got busy. And so he tossed his emails over to me. I got on top of them. And then like an hour later, his email inbox was flooded with 40 more emails because he's so organized. He only opens his email gates twice a day. And I didn't know that. You can actually pause your email inbox. Who knew you could do that? You, you thought you had a handle on it, but uh, the floodgate wasn't open. So it's provided some unique perspective into what Andrew's days look like when he is home and things are normal. <laughs> How, uh, yeah. how's, the, how's the home uh, treating you? Is it uh, able to hold down the roost and um, make systems in place or is it uh, still everything up in the air day to day for you? I think we're doing more like one week at a time. So I kind of have been analyzing every weekend. How did last week go? Um, It's been easy for me to get distracted with projects and forget about the kids. Um, And they need some special attention right now. Um, And so this week I'm focusing more on giving them that attention and less worrying about projects. Um, And next week it'll probably change again. Yeah, sure. that th- that balance I think right we're all now is living. Yeah, we are. I mean that that balance right now is about as challenging as it as it comes. And I mean, I'm not. It's we're all in different dynamics and perspectives with it right now. You know, Mike and Cord are fortunate that they're both home um, with their kids. You know, I've got yeah. Michelle home part of the time with me, but she's at work a lot of the time too. And then Lynn, you're flying solo. I mean, and it's there's three variants of scales there of the challenges with it. And I mean, we had, we had a rough day yesterday because my oldest daughter was feeling like she's just not been getting enough attention. And the reality is she probably hasn't because we're all running around trying to do the best we can with running businesses and everything. And it's, this is a, this is an interesting time for, for everyone. I'm sure Andrew, is that, are you, are you hearing some stories of that with doing what you're doing of just people being away from their families? And I mean, that's got to, there's got to be some camaraderie in that, but there's also got to be some wear and tear in that, I would imagine. Oh, yeah, it's hard. I mean, as much as I work on the operational side, I do a lot of counseling. <laughs> so I'm sure. People are mentally breaking down because, um, you know, their home life is either whether it's just like a dog and that's who they have, but they care a lot about, or it can be a husband and, you know, three or four kids back home. Um, those are some difficult times. So we try to anticipate that, you know, they're missing birthdays. We got mother's day coming up here and there can be, um, there's going to be that, uh, dynamic. So yeah, it's a, it's a constant challenge. People are really trying to be supportive and wrap them, you know, wrap some support around those people. Um, and we try to get creative too. So, you know, the company has been pretty good with, uh, doing special things like, um, we're going to probably for mother's day, um, get like chocolates and flowers donated and put them outside everybody's door um, for when they wake up in the morning, things like that. Yeah. yeah. So we are pretty supportive and trying to, trying to work on that camaraderie. Can we, we need to talk yeah, about but... packages that you get at the hotel. So like on any given day, there's maybe over a thousand packages. Can you imagine mother's day and how many packages there will be for those nurses? Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah, each hotel we we process a lot of packages and donations. So it's about a thousand packages a day. You talk about like logistics; those are one of those things people don't even think about when you're going on a deployment. And yeah. we didn't think about it either. And then all of a sudden, we get flooded with packages, and 
Um, and so we're having to like create a mail room um, and create a system and process for, uh, for organizing all that. It's, uh, it's been pretty wild. That is wild. Andrew, what's your, what's your horizon look like, man? Like what, um, how long does, uh, how long are you currently anticipating or do you personally get a leave of absence or are you in it for the long haul? Like what's your, um, what's your weeks look like? Uh, yeah, I think, um, I think I'm in it for the long haul, uh, especially in my position, I think it's a little more difficult to step away. Um, and just, you know, they're letting some people go home for one to two weeks at a time and then come back. Um, but, uh, but I don't, I don't have that kind of flexibility. It's not as easy for somebody else to just step into my role and take over that sure. kind of stuff. Um, so hey, I didn't, I wasn't planning on doing this role, but I kind of got handed to me. And so now I'm somewhat obligated to stay in it. Um, the, we're anticipating, you know, right now, at least through June, there will be people here working. So yeah, it's, it's a long haul. So my, you know, and you asked what my weeks look like. I mean, it's just, it's just a lot of running around and putting out fires or, um, you know, right now, one of the big things is making sure that we have all the PPE for people. So, um, I'm having to track down all 3,500 nurses and make sure like that they have the proper PPE that's fitted properly. Um, if it's not, I have to schedule them to get fitted for it, those kind of things. So it's just constant, like, um, one thing after the other. How's the, how's the PPP, nope, PPE inventory for you guys specifically? It was tough initially. Uh, we didn't have anything. The hospitals didn't have anything. Um, and so, uh, that was a real challenge. And we've, you know, we've been here now since late March. Um, and we're just now starting to get some inventory. Um, the hospitals aren't, but we're, we are, and uh, I've got a shipment of 1500 masks coming in today. And we're supposed to get a few thousand more over the course of the week. So we're just now starting to get it before that people were, um, we wouldn't make people go in, but, uh, you know, a lot of people care and they want to, they're here to help. So, before that, people were just wearing the wrong sizes or not wearing anything at all and going in and dealing with people. So it's that crazy. Getting, what, it's crazy. That getting the sacrifices easier? are having to be made in the hospitals. Yeah. yeah, it really is. Yeah, it's it's saddening to hear. Is that getting easier? Do you have a pulse on more of the area up there, more than just your your certain hub? Um, I mean, is are is more inventory being flooded into the area, um, or is it still spotty at best? Uh, it's still pretty spotty at best. I don't know how or where, but um, we've got a donations guy who's in charge of everything and, and seeking out donations. And somehow he sourced this from a private uh, per individual who had a stockpile. But I think most people are still really struggling to get um, the PPE. And then not even that, but like, so you have the PPE, but there's this, when you go to get tested on it, they put a, a hood over your, um, they put a hood over your, over your head and um and then they spray this stuff into the hood to see if you can taste and smell it um well the stuff that they spray in is on back order like you can't get that anywhere and so um even if you can get the pbe you can it's very it's even more difficult to find the spray yeah that's why it's beyond um so Guys, as far as your your family unit goes, um, what are some things that you guys are doing to try to kind of stay connected while Andrew, you're up there in New York, and I know you're working crazy hours. I mean, is it 
is it FaceTime central for you guys being able to hang out as a family and see the kids or what's, what's kind of working for you guys on that front? When? Um, we are <laughs> figuring it out. So the first two weeks he was gone, we were trying to FaceTime and it was terrible. Yeah. We hated it. Um, because <laughs> inevitably, when you talk on the phone, you're multitasking. And right. when you FaceTime with someone while multitasking, it just looks like they're not paying attention. <laughs> um, and conversations take too long. So we reverted back to phone calls, and that's a lot better. Um, but because days are so crazy, I've just asked Andrew, like, can you just say good morning when you're awake and good night when you're going to sleep? That way I know that, like, he's in bed, he's alive. Um, not every day do we really get to talk. Um, yeah. So it's more or less just survival mode. Mm-hmm. How old are your guys' kids again? Uh, how old are our kids? Yeah. They are, uh, we got a four and a half, a one and a half, and then a, okay. uh, I guess he's five months old now. So you are, what, what is the four and a half? You, you're the exact same mark as my oldest. Like what, mm-hmm. uh, what, what's your oldest uh, personality right now about daddy? Um, like what's, what's their understanding? <laughs> Um, so she looked at me today and she said, mom, I think I figured it out. I think daddy's going to come home when he's made enough money. (laughs) (laughs) And your response. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's good. It's processing then. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. She fully recognizes that, that we're doing this because, there is some financial gain from it as well as, um, you know, we, we just, we, we put things in perspective, like, why do you go to work? Why do you go to the office? Or like, well, so that we can go to Italy and Mexico and do these kind of things, you know, like you work hard, play hard. So when she sees that I'm at work, the harder she sees me working, she assumes the more more (laughs) we're getting from that, um, which is, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. (laughs) There's some truth to that. There's some truth to that. So what, um, what take, take this whole experience, uh, of, of this world pandemic, what, what do you guys hope that we gain out of this as a group of people? Um, what, what do you hope we come out for the better for on, on a large behavioral scale? Um, like how do you hope we become better for it? What do you hope our takeaway is? Uh, man, I, I don't know. I think, um, you even think there will be one. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if there's going to be, I think there's going to be a lot of takeaways from a different perspectives. Um, one is I saw a Facebook post, uh, and I thought it was so good. And I don't know that everyone's going to process this. I think that's the problem. I think most people are not going to take the time to process. Things are going to open back up and they're going to just flood back into what they were doing before. And they won't sit to think, um, and, and evaluate what their life has moved forward. But, but the Facebook post that I saw said, you know, before we rush into, um, as we're waiting to rush back into our daily routines, maybe we should consider what we're rushing back into. And, um, and I think that if you're not, you should be thinking about those things and really analyzing your life. I know Lynn talks about how much she's really enjoyed the slower pace and being outside all day long. Um, and so, you know, considering do we really need to be involved in all these extracurricular things that we're doing and what, what's really important in life. And so uh, I hope that people, you know, 
dwell on that a little bit and are dwelling on it while they're sitting at home. I don't think that most people will be, but, uh, but as a word of encouragement to those that are listening, um, that's something you should be doing recon- and, and just completely reconstructing your entire life during this time um, while you have the time. And, and reconstructing and creating a manifesto takes time uh, and takes a lot of time to digest your thoughts. Uh, when I got out of college, I didn't have a job for the first two months. And so that's exactly what I did. And I just analyzed what I wanted my life to look like long term and what my goals were. And I've stuck to that kind of plan and manifesto. And it's been really instrumental in my life. And people always say, I wish I could get to where you are. I'm like, well, I mean, you could, but this is years in the making. And this is something that I've been working on and was intentional about as soon as I got out of college. So yeah. I don't know. I hope that's what, what people do. I'm not, saying, no. I'm not sure if they will. Yeah. Well said. Well said. Lynn, how about yourself? Um, what, uh, what do you hope our, our actual takeaway is for this pandemic? It's been interesting as business owners to watch people's attitudes towards some businesses change. And all of a sudden people are trying to help the restaurants instead of criticizing the restaurant's customer service or whatever it is. Um, so I hope that people appreciate um, businesses more. Um, but beyond that, and just building on what Andrew said, I wholeheartedly agree about the change of pace in life and analyzing whether or not we want to go back to the way things were. Um, Every year as a family, we take a trip away for like a month. um, And now this time length of the pandemic has exceeded that month. Um, And so this is, I feel like we might enter a next level of (laughs) analyzing our lives than we ever have. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But it's so good to just totally step out of routine and process it before you jump back in. Yeah. Andrew, I was going to ask you, and if you don't want to answer this, we, you certainly don't have to, so no pressure. We can edit it out, but with, with seeing what you're seeing and, and being in the space that you are, as you hear about States kind of moving to reopen or rushing to reopen or everybody's entitled to their own opinion on it. I mean, does that, does it give you pause? Be, and I, granted, I know East Tennessee or Western North Carolina is not Manhattan. It's not New York city, right. but um, knowing how many people can be asymptomatic and carrying this and and how quickly it can spread. I mean, does it give you pause to think about states opening up and kind of just getting back to life or? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, there's some, some concern because we look back at China and we see that the reinfection rates are really high after mm-hmm. they started loosening things up again. Um, and so like, I anticipate that happening, but I also understand the tension that, um, you know, our con our economy has to start flowing some money again, or else we're going to be in, or we're already going to be in bad shape for the next year and a half, two years, um, because of this. Uh, so I understand the tension, but, uh, there's not a lot you can do. Like either we're, we, the, the end result is we need a vaccine. And that vaccine's not coming anytime soon. Um, so what do we do? Just like not operate as a country and we'll go into the dark ages or do we open it up and let people get sick? Um, that's going to happen. But uh, at least we won't, um, <laughs> you know, stop existing as a country um, and lose our, our foothold. So it's a really tough one. It certainly gives me pause. Um, I don't think that there's as much concern, though, down in like East Tennessee and other areas like that. 
like, yeah, we have COVID cases, but there's different strains and we have a really mild strain. And what we're also starting to, to this is anecdotal, but what we're also starting to kind of see is that um, the people that are getting really sick and dying are, um, are really uh, getting, are getting in that position because of cult, more like cultural things. And so is it really that uh, black people are more predisposed or is it because of their culture and how they um, engage with each other or Hispanics and how they all live in the same house together and there's large gatherings and groups of them? You know, so you have to kind of start really figuring out what is the true cause of the spread um, mm-hmm. and, and is it, yeah, like, is it culturally, um, you know, Manhattan, the spread is huge because of public transit. Um, and so maybe that's the problem. Maybe we only need to have social distancing in these large cities and in, in you know, mid to small cities. We can go back to daily life and we'll have some cases, but it's not going to be necessarily hugely fatal. So I, I don't have an answer for that, but I'm just saying, like, that's where we're that's well, no, it's go. it's a it's an interesting perspective on it, and I think it's you know so much of it too depends on the healthcare system in the area and knowing that the system's not going to be completely flooded at peak, right? So if, as we've kind of moved over this hump and are getting to this other side of it, and you can say like, all right, we've got enough ICU beds, or we have enough ventilators in East Tennessee or the surrounding area, or you know Southern Georgia or where I mean wherever the hell it may be, you know that we've got some ability to kind of the system can withhold a surge a little bit. Um, sure. and that it won't be the type of, you know, cause ultimately like what you're doing in New York, there's not enough people like you to be able to jump to every major city and do that. Right. I mean, that's right. the whole, that's the whole fear that we were trying to avoid with slowing the country down a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It, it's tough. I mean, people are going to do what they want to do and I understand where they're coming from, but, uh, we're just going to have to, I don't think there's a good, good answer either direction. And so we just have to pick one and it's the lesser of two evils. Yeah, I think I think your answer is the best average answer because we don't have the um, we don't have the cure and we're not just going to go on lockdown for end of eternity. So we, we have to be able to write the gray answer somehow, some way and find livable day to day life in it is um, that's that's what each community has to do. Yeah, totally. Um, how do you guys mentally feel? You guys are a close family knit hub that uh you have a dad that's removed and uh went up to another state um how are you guys mentally doing um as a as a unit as a click just because um um that's it you're you're a dad with three very young kids that went up to new york um how how, how are you holding up with that um mental hurdle uh it's difficult i think my personality i'm more i'm so focused on the mission and it keeps me so busy that i don't have the emotional um, you know, strain and longing that Linda's sitting around in a house all day. Um, so I think I'd probably handle it better than she does, but I do miss my kids and I do miss normal life. I love Knoxville. Um, I can't wait to come back home to my kids sure. and her wife. Uh, so they're like, it's there, but I'm just too busy to think and feel like I, and, and I'm too tired as well. Like my, my days are super long, anywhere from 16 to 20 hour days is what I'm working. I certainly nothing less than that. Um, so, so I just don't feel it nearly as much as she's probably feeling it. Lynn, how do you feel about it? Um, this 
time that he's been in New York has been a lot easier. His first two weeks gone in San Diego were much harder for me um, for reasons that we hadn't thought of before. Um, So he's done longer trips. Um, I get through it. That's fine. But when he left for San Diego, it was like the next day um, the pandemic was declared. And then the situation was changing so rapidly day by day. And I didn't have him to talk to about it. And I didn't have other people to see. So not only was I at home dealing with the kids, but I was trying to process what in the world is going on in the world. Um, And the person I talked to um, about that stuff wasn't there. So that was the hardest part. And it took a couple of weeks to realize like that's what was going on. And then he came home for a couple of days before going to New York. And it's honestly been a lot easier since then. Yeah, things were not good in the marriage those two weeks in San Diego. It was a little rocky. and But we were able to come home and process it, like she said, on um, for a few days in between deployments. And that's like made all the difference in the world. And we kind of had a, a new perspective on what this looks like and, um, and the reality of the situation we're in. So it was, yeah, super good. Yeah. Well, guys, thank you to to both of you for the the sacrifices you guys are making as a family and and with your time and everything to to be helping out because it's 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 families like your alls and people like you guys that are helping our country out through this really just tragic it. time. So, um, for for what it's worth, thank you, thank you from us to you guys. Yeah, and thank you, no problem. Thank you for what you guys do, absolutely. And thank you guys for taking the time and uh, chatting with us. Thank you. It's been good. Keep. Keep up the awesome work. Yeah, stay safe. <laughs> Try to. Hey, guys. See ya. Thanks for listening, guys. Our show music is written and performed by Jordan Burris and produced by Jordan Burris and Asher Smith. We always love hearing from you. Head to wakedaddrinkrepeat.com, send us guest recommendations, or give us your thoughts on the show.